Shimad Bhagavatam, Canto 6, Chapter 5, Text 36. Shri Daksha Uvacha, Aho Asaro Sadhunam, Sadhulingenanastaya, Asadvakar Yarbakanam, Vikshor Marga Pradarshita, Shidaksha Uvacha, Pajapti Daksha Ser, Aho Asadho, O greatly dishonest non devotee, Sadhunam, of the Society of Devotees and Great Sages, Sadhulingena, Wearing the dress of a saintly person. Wearing the dress of a saintly person. Na, Na. unto us. Toya, 
by you. Sadhu, a dishonesty, a karin, has been done. Arpakanam, of poor boys who were very inexperienced. Viksho Marga, the path of a beggar or mendicant sannyasi. Pradarshita, Shaw. Translation. Prajapti Daksha said, Alas, Narada Muni, you wear the dress of a saintly person, but you are not actually a saint. Indeed, although I am now in Grihasta life, I am a saintly person. By showing my sons the path of renunciation, you have done me an abominable injustice. Purport. So again, it's a long purport. We won't read the entire purport. First paragraph, sentence number three. Prajapati Daksha was certainly a sadhu because he had executed such great austerities that the Supreme Personality of Godhead Lord Vishnu had appeared before him. Nevertheless, he had a fault-finding mentality. He improperly thought Narada Muni to be a sadhu or not saintly because Narada had foiled his intentions. So then we'll go down um, to a few sentences. Narada Muni, however, taking advantage of their highly elevated position in austerity, instructed them to become Vaishnavas in the renounced order. This is the duty of Narada Muni and his followers. They must show everyone the path of renouncing this material world and returning home back to Godhead. So we'll go to paragraph two, three, four. Paragraph four. Uh, it starts with sometimes a saintly person. Uh, I don't know if you can find it. Keep going. There. Okay, this paragraph. Um, one, two, three, four. Fourth sentence. This same phenomenon. It's uh, yeah there. This same phenomenon is occurring in our Krishna consciousness movement, because we are instructing all the young boys in the Western countries to follow the path of renunciation. We allow grihasta life, but a grihasta also follows the path of renunciation. Even a grihasta has to give up so many bad habits that his parents think his life has been practically spoiled. We allow no meat-eating, no illicit sex, no gambling, and no intoxication. Consequently, the parents wonder how, if there are so many no's, one's life can be positive. In the Western countries especially, these four prohibited activities practically constitute the life and soul of the modern population. Therefore, parents sometimes dislike our movement, just as Prajapati Daksha disliked the activities of Narada and accused Narada of dishonesty. Nevertheless, although parents may be angry at us, we must perform our duty without hesitation because we are in disciplic succession from Narada Muni. Mukam karati vachalam vangam hangar tekirim.
Yaki Pantamam, one day, see Guram Tinataranam. O Magyana, Timberanda, Sia, Gananjara, Shalakaya, Chakshumini, Tanyana, Tasmarishi, So one time, one devotee, Lady Govinda Dasi, her father came to Siddha Prabhupada to complain. And he said, you know, why are you taking my daughter away? And uh, so Prabhupada said, no, she's doing the best thing for you, actually. Um, and uh, so at that time it was in the Dallas Temple and there were a lot of Indian people surrounding, listening to the conversation. So... Um, the man said, well, you know, why you gave her an Indian name? And Prabhupada said, you don't like Indians? And the man said, no, I like Indians, okay, but why? <laughs> she has to have an Indian name. So then uh, he said, well, if your daughter is happy, then it, you should also be happy. So the parents sometimes didn't appreciate uh, the devotees becoming Vaishnavas. So just like Narada Muni, he cursed, not, not Narada Muni, Daksha, the father of his of 11,000 sons who became devotees, took sannyasa and left home. So he cursed Narada Muni that you will not be able to stay in any place more than three days. And Srila Prabhupada said, I have also taken this curse from the parents of my disciples. I cannot stay in one place more than three days. So, advancement in Krishna consciousness depends on the attitude of the follower. This is stated by Prabhupada in Nectar of Instruction Preface. And Prabhupada says here that Daksha has a fault-finding attitude. A negative, critical attitude causes unhappiness. It breaks the tender bhakti-lata creeper. Krishna consciousness is supposed to be sukham, kartam, abhyam, joyful, joyful. And this is a symptom of goodness. When you're in the mode of goodness, then you're always happy. So if you're not always happy, that means you're not in the mode of goodness. You've got work to do. Work to do. So Daksha was accused by his daughter Sati because Daksha criticized, before he criticized Lord Shiva, and uh, he was saying that Lord Shiva is in the crematorium, he has skulls around his neck and everything, and just because he didn't offer obeisance, he didn't stand up and offer obeisances to Daksha when he came inside the assembly. So then he's really upset with Lord Shiva. And so we cannot judge a devotee from their external uh, dress. Daksha was a very high, powerful, influential devotee. Uh, he was a prajapati. He was the, supposed to be the creator of so many dynasties. He was, and when he walked in the assembly, everybody stood up. And Lord Shiva, on the other hand, he was in the crematorium and he was wearing skulls and he had ashes all over his body. So who was the pure devotee? Was it Daksha or was it Lord Shiva? Pure devotee was Lord Shiva. 
And Daksha was practicing devotional service in the mode of ignorance, actually, by criticizing Lord Shiva. And so Sati said that Daksha, a man like you, simply finds fault in the qualities of others. Lord Shiva, however, not only finds no faults with others' qualities, but if someone has a little good quality, he magnifies it greatly. So there are gradations among the good souls, Prabhupada says. The best soul is one who accepts an insignificant asset of a person and magnifies that good quality. So that was Srila Prabhupada. He, we had some little good, so much bad, and a little bit of good, and he would take that little bit of good and he would magnify it. So if you look at the videos of Prabhupada in the early days in San Francisco and in, in Hippie Hill, they call it, uh, in one park, one park, all Prabhupada is in the middle and all the hippies are dancing around him. And they are into drugs, and they are who knows what, and boys and girls together, and everything. Uh, and Prabhupada is smiling. <laughs> He's thinking, this is really nice. This is wonderful. He's seeing the good. He didn't see the bad in, in, the, in the hippies. He saw the good. That Yes, they have, they have a spirit of renunciation of sorts. They didn't renounce everything. Uh, they didn't renounce drugs and illicit sex. But uh, they did renounce the, the uh, materialistic, they were trying to renounce the materialistic society. So one time in L.A., Prabhupada said, if it weren't for the chanting of the Mahamantra, you boys and girls could not do anything. In the West, you've used so many drugs, you cannot accomplish anything. So chanting Hare Krishna has enabled you to get all these temples and devotees. Simply Krishna's mercy and the chanting. <coughs> So one time one devotee was talking because devotees, one devotee named Sudama, he was complaining to Prabhupada, oh, devotees are criticizing me, I don't know slokas, I can't quote from Bhagavad Gita. And um, Prabhupada was laughing, he said, oh, they sound like my godbrothers. Sudama, you speak from your heart. That's all that counts. Krishna doesn't care if you can't quote slokas. You're a good preacher. You bring many people because of your heart. You cook samosas. You chant beautifully. You have love for Krishna. What else is needed? Don't make things so complicated. It's very simple. So Prabhupada always saw the good in us. So you have to be careful if you criticize somebody, or even mentally, you might get in trouble. Um, uh, Burijan Prabhu, he was giving one example of himself. That he was eating prasadam and there was one devotee sitting across and he was sitting with his hand and his leg up and he thought, oh, how can he sit like that? This is really bad. So after two weeks of meditating on that devotee, Burijan also started sitting like this. <laughs> so you have to be careful what you criticize others for. You might start doing it yourself. You have to be careful. And so, yes, Adi Purush Prabhu is here. I have a quote from you here. <laughs> what do you do if you see someone not doing bhakti properly? You remember that quote? Okay. Take a mirror and look at yourself and ask the question, am I seeing this fault because 
This fault is somewhere in me. I think I got that from you. Anyway, yeah, so be careful when you, when you criticize somebody. Patience and forgiveness are qualities appreciated in all religious traditions. There is one Christian monk, Thomas Kempis, he writes, Try to bear patiently with the defects and infirmities of others, whatever they may be, because you may also have a fault which others must endure. And so we, we have to tolerate people, but they also have to tolerate us, he's saying, especially if you live in the ashram. Um, we, we want them to be perfect, but we don't correct our own faults. And so um, Bhaktivinoda Thakur also offers some similar comments in his chapter 8 of Jaiva Dharma. He speaks about the behavior of a Madhyama Adhikari, a devotee who is a middle-class qualification for bhakti. Madhyama Adhikaris should neglect the dvi-satsu, or envious people. So there's five types of dvesha, or envy. And the fifth is daya shunyata, absence of mercy. So someone who lacks mercy or forgiveness is a manifestation of envy. Mercy, tolerance, forgiveness are very important qualities for those interested in developing bhakti. So Bhaktivinoda Thakur in his commentary on Upadeshamrita writes, the duty of a devotee is to practice forgiveness. And Bhishmadev in his instructions in um, First Canto also, in, in the purport, Prabhupada says that how to counteract anger is by forgiveness. Chaitanya Charitamrita says, Bhakti Shabhava Kore. The nature of a devotee is he excuses any offense by an ignorant rascal. Dina Doya Kore Sadhu The characteristic of all saintly persons is to be kind towards the poor and fallen. Also in Bhagavatam, Jamadagni says the same thing to his son Parasharam. Shamayaro chate lakshmi brahmi shariyata prabha shaminam ashubhagavangs tu chate hariri shara. The duty of a brahmana is to culture the quality of forgiveness, which is illuminating like the sun. Supreme Lord is pleased with those who are forgiving. So Lord Vishnu is Krishna's manifestation of God. <coughs> or a supreme controller and the judge also. He judges our good and bad deeds in the heart. So the word Vaishnava refers to a devotee of Vishnu. A Vaishnava is one who works or is a representative of Vishnu. So a Vaishnava serves under the supervision of senior devotees of the Lord. And one category of senior devotees is the demigods in this world. They are senior devotees. They are also working for the Lord's manifestation of this cosmic world, and they are his servants. They are described in active devotion as servants of the Lord. So one category is the demigods. And as the Lord's representatives, they are qualified to judge the good and bad deeds of the conditioned souls in this world. So in that sense, we could say, being a devotee, means to work in the Lord's courtroom. 
we have two choices, which court we want to work in. The first court is that of the empowered demigod, Mahajanavodi Shi Yamaraj. And the second court is the court of Nityananda. Working in Yamaraj's court means helping his chief lieutenant, Chittagupta, whose job is to note down all the mistakes and sinful acts of conditioned souls. So what does it mean to be an assistant to Chitragupta? Narada Purana describes, Papinam papagananam yakaroti naratama astitvetu yapapisan mityatvi tuikunam paret. A fault finder is Naradama, lowest of mankind. If the sins are true, then the person who's counting them will equally share the sin with the sinner. But if the accusation is false, then they will get double the sin. They will get the reaction ascribed to the other person. So papi, papa gananam means one who counts the sins of others. He is a servant of Yamraj, servant of Chitragupta. So one time there was a brahmana who lived across the street from a prostitute. And the brahmana was watching the prostitute counting how many people are going to her. And that was his meditation. And the prostitute was meditating on the brahmana. And the prostitute was thinking, oh, how many people are... She was counting all the good people coming to the brahmana. So in the time of death, the brahmana left his body. And when the prostitute left her body, the prostitute went upwards and the brahmana went downwards because of their meditation. Because of the meditation. So intelligent devotees aspire to work in the courtroom of Nityananda, who is described in the following song by a poet named Krishadas. Adosha Darshimar Prabhu Nityananda Navajino Heno Prabhu Charanarvinta. Lord Nityananda is Adosha Darshi. He never sees the faults of others. So he is Mora Prabhu, my Lord. Why, is, why should Nityananda be our Lord? Because we have so many faults that who else is going to forgive us except Lord Nityananda? We need to approach Lord Nityananda. So what does it mean to worship Lord Nityananda? Just like if you go to the Ganga, you worship the Ganga with Ganga water. Or you may worship the sun with the fire of a giwik. So the way you worship all forgiving Nityananda is by ourselves being forgiving. If we're busy finding faults with others, then we're not worshiping Nityananda. But we're working for Chitragupta. So to work in the court of Nityananda means we have to give up fault finding and the propensity for bearing grudges. In Chaitanya Shirtamrita purport, Prabhupada also says the qualification of a Vaishnava is he is a dosha darshi. He never sees others' faults. So in our lives we have a choice, to a decision to be made. Which court do we want to work for? Do we want to help Chitragupta by being a papagananam, counting everyone's faults in the court of Yamraj? Or do we want to give up finding others' faults and work in the court of Nityananda? One thing to consider in our decision is that Whichever court we decide to work for, we will be judged in that court. So be careful. So I'll stop here if there's any questions or comments. You can ask at this point.
Behavior of Madhyama Dikari is to neglect envious people. What does it mean, envious people? Um, people who, uh, the envious people you meet outside generally are people who don't want to listen but who want to make uh, blasphemy against you, make offenses. They will make offenses. If you mention Krishna's name, they will make offenses to Krishna. If you mention the chanting, they will simply make offenses. So that's envious. They don't want to hear the truth. They're not open to hearing or changing themselves. They're not open to hearing the truth, the spiritual philosophy, but they have their own demonic philosophy and they won't allow you to, to reach them. And so those kind of people we avoid if they start making offenses. Because if you hear the offenses of someone who is blaspheming, then you also uh, suffer. You, your creeper is damaged. Your devotional creeper is damaged if you hear their offenses. So that's why the Madhyama is very careful to avoid those who commit offenses. He can fall down. The Madhyama can fall down if he hears somebody uh, speaking offensively about Prabhupada, about Yaskan, about other devotees. Then he can lose his taste, he can lose his devotional creeper. So that's the, how you judge is if they, they make offenses. And you can usually tell right away if you're distributing books who is not open to hearing you. Unless you're a very expert devotee, you should not... Um, do it like there are some devotees who can even preach to these people but you have to be very very expert and careful like when uh, I heard somebody was distributing a book and there was an atheist and he says no I don't believe in God I don't want to read your book and he said oh you're an atheist well you, you should know your enemy you should read this book to find out about your enemy <laughs> and he took the book so, yeah, there are ways, there are ways to preach. And sometimes you get these uh, born-again Christians who just want to tell you you're going to hell. So, um, Vaisheshika, he preaches to them. He says, oh, you're a Christian, how wonderful. Atheism is growing in this world now. You want to be a better Christian, then you can read this book. And so he, you know, there's ways for very expert preachers, but if you're not so expert, better you avoid because you can, you can become damaged by hearing their envious remarks, their offensive remarks. Any other questions? Yes. Mataji, um, I would like to better understand the definition of fault. Fault, fault finding. <laughs> And yeah. especially in the context of management in an organization like Mm-hmm. Fault in the question of management. Yes, so there is a, a time when you can correct a devotee. But you should, it, it's true, you should have a managerial position uh, and you should see, is the devotee, is he disrupting the other devotees? Uh, and you must have a good relationship so the devotee trusts you. 
you must uh, have no motive, like, um, anyway, whatever motive people have, I don't know. Uh, you have, have a motive of using that devotee for your own service or something. You shouldn't have a motive. Um, yeah, yesterday I saw a list of how to know when you should correct another devotee. There is a whole list there. And that was some of, some of the things I remember from that list. And uh, I know you should have a, a, a relationship of trust with that person. <clears throat> that person. Um, so, yes, if you're a manager, then you have to sometimes find correct devotees and give them room for improvement. And, but if you're not a manager, then you shouldn't do it. You shouldn't find fault. So what is fault? Fault means that you're disrupting other people. You're disrupting other people's devotional service. If, you're, if, you're, if, it's all to, if you keep it to yourself, if it's in your mind, then that's forgiven. In Kali Yuga, you have the concession of mental offenses. You have the concession of you don't get the reaction. But if it comes verbal or physical, then it has to be dealt with by the manager. May I ask another question? Just okay. Very briefly. So when I say manager, I mean uh, the business of seniority and this relationship of senior right, and junior. Right, right. So it extends beyond just management per se. Oh, beyond the management. Okay. Not so, just a manager. Yeah. I mean, it is about a senior and yeah, a junior. Okay. And then the fault finding and then the perception of both the parties when especially um, they may both parties may not be expert hmm. at managing yeah. or even receiving. Right. Because we were all I mean I'd like to speak for myself, I'm work in progress. <laughs> so right. uh, how do we actually in reality from theory to reality? Yeah well, the reality is relationship. You have to have a, a working relationship. Generally, generally speaking, if you're not a manager, if you're not in the position of correcting, you're, if you're a senior devotee, if you're a brahmana, brahmanas see also, I mean, they're also in the position of being able to correct people. They don't give anyone advice unless it's asked for. That's another point to note. If you're going to correct someone, wait, wait and see. It, when when um, it was the uh, time of the Rajasuya sacrifice of Yudhisthira, so many sages were present, and uh, why didn't they say, let's worship Krishna? Why was it, uh, who was it? Uh, Nakula or Sahadev? Sahadev it was. Sahadev, okay. Why Sahadev? Of all people. Then he said, Krishna should be first worshipped. Everybody knew, all the sages knew, Narada knew, all of Vyasadev knew. Why didn't they speak up? So someone asked them, why didn't you speak up? They said, because no one asked us. No one asked our advice. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? <laughs> so, yeah, but again, if you're a senior devotee and you see some damage being done, then you, you may want to speak up. But... You have to keep in mind that you want to do good to the person you're correcting and help them uh, make progress and be successful. That should be your motive. As a friend, as a father, you should want them to, you should have in your heart that you want them to be 
uh, advance in spiritual life and to get free from their anartas. So you have to be, you have to say it in a, in a very nice way, in a loving way, also, and then they will appreciate it. If you're harsh and angry and like that, yeah, I saw that happen into one bhakta in one temple I was recently in. He was, he was very eager to go and offer the lamp, so he went in front of the deities, and then one devotee just pushed him aside because he was standing in front of Prabhupada. That devotee, just that bhakta, just left the temple. <laughs> that was recent. So you have to be careful how you correct somebody. Yeah. Okay, yes, you had a question? Oh, I thought... Okay. I, you, we were thinking something. Okay. All right. I thought I saw your hand. Here, over, over here, we have two. One. Raise your hand. Where? So, in an instance that when, like, a manager or a senior corrects a, a devotee and then notices that devotee could not accept the correction what does one do if the devotee does not accept the correction yeah then um, the, then the manager has to tell what are the limits of behavior and, and say okay if you go beyond this limit then this will be the this will be the reaction a warning or so you can give a warning you give a warning and then okay but they should know if I act in this way then this is going to happen to me you have to leave the temple. If you do this, you have to leave the temple. But not that they just do it and you leave the temple, but they have to know it. They should know what are the rules. They should know the rules. That is also for children. The children should know the rules. Okay? Yes? Thank you for your class. And just want to ask regarding some devotees like doing some service which is favorable. And at the same time, didn't reject what is not favorable for devotional <laughs> service, and in that way, causing so much damage around and so yeah. people suffering around. So it, that person is not really aware. So what to do? What what, what we can do to? Yeah, so, so then, then if the person is living in the temple, then it becomes a problem. Then it's up to the managers. If if is if the person is not living in the temple, then um, the managers also it's up to the managers too <laughs> to decide you know if the person can come to the temple or not. If the person comes to the temple and causes a lot of damage, then that should not be acceptable. And in daily life, which is not um, connected with the institution but with the relationship, how to treat this kind of person? Right. Well, nectar of instruction says um, you can offer obeisances from a distance, but don't associate. It's not like you say you're 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 nonsense, you're a rascal, you're not a devotee. But you, they're chanting Hare Krishna. You offer obeisances, but from a distance, and don't associate. Yeah. Any other questions? Okay, I'll go to Shri Prabhupada Hare Krishna. If anybody wants a book, we still have some books left of the full Bhagavatam in pictures. Hare Krishna.
Shri Prabhupada, 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 Shri Prabhupada,